In the far future, faster-than-light travel is possible via portals called Stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the Stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of Stillfleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using Stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City. Previously on Float City, the crew collects the mysterious, ever-shifting, vascular multi-object and a bunch more plunder from the estate of the boss, Anverder Asa Lehrer. In the process, they release a bevy of terrifying goons from the Anverder's own prison and also Oat, a Harajun in a tuxedo. A freed Ilithnari warrior fights the Anverder to mutual death and a freed Void Elf transports early 21st century pharmacies into a nearby by town. He is dispatched for such savagery. The team is then told the Saffron Anox, the planet's trade lord, would like audience on account of the mayhem they've caused. The Anox, who has a partnership with the company, tells the team a co-archivist, Zeshdeno Novell, is blocking a trade agreement of his with Kakudun. He asks them to find out why. Otherwise, he'll break his three-century contract with the worshipful company and blame their meddling excursion. They're led away from the Anox's court and tacked home by his reverent deva, Shasho. We join the team now as they arrive in the near bays of Spindle, much worse for wear, carrying more mysterious alien goods than they've ever seen before and knowing they need to figure out what, if anything, they're gonna tell their boss, Algar. Uh, Marcus is uh, touching his fingers to to each other and going, hmm, hmm, uh, should we meet up in the morning somewhere? Because I'm not very good at lying. Yeah, we should probably meet up in the morning and uh, figure out a plan. That sounds reasonable to me. Where should we go? I live with my brother, Marcos. Okay, well, we can meet in the canteen. That seems also reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Canteen in uh, 12 hours? Canteen in 12 hours. Okay. Great. Mike, how how is Grit recovered again? Yeah, so if you guys all go on a rest uh, and you chill out, then you can roll D-Will plus D-Move plus your level, which is one, oh. and you get to distribute that number however you like between Grit and Health. Ooh. Okay. Uh, this is called Regaining Pool. And pool is just like your points that determine how healthy you are. Um, and Oat should do the same. Uh, yeah, sure. And I, no one asked what Oat was doing, uh, but uh, but I'll tell you, he just vanished. One second he's yeah. there, and the next perhaps you see a little bit of his wings or fur flit around a corner and he's gone. Beta's still assuming that Oat is going to move in with her, um, so she does kind of set up an area for him in her in her pod, just in case. <laughs> the Oat area. You're all going back to your room blobs uh, to have a little rest before you meet up and talk about the things that you have. Could everybody describe what their room blob is like? 
Um, and to just give you a sense, generally what uh, like still fleet room blobs are like, they're like tiny caves uh, that are carved into this weird black rock that is spin. Um, it is very hard to install doors in uh, spin because the rock is so hard um, and all of the walls walls are curved. So most rooms are separated by like plastic sheet or colored rope or like other things like that. Um, and they're probably, you know, about the size of, I don't know, small office. Remy just has like uh, some opaque plastic sheeting that he's, he's dragged up from somewhere. Um, but uh, basically the only features, uh, the only notable features of his room are a, like a, a small bed and a small desk. Um, but every, like he's, he has a ton of trinkets, like just a bunch of random shit from the missions that he's gone on. It's like, it's like, it's almost like a uh, hoarder stuff because it's like every, every time he goes out, he takes something <laughs> and brings it back. But it's also like, it's also very neatly organized. So you can tell like, you know, you see like an old pistol that doesn't work from one thing you see like, um, sure. like a, a, a wooden shield from another world. Like you see, um, knobs from spaceships, uh, that, you know, that he used his stiff works to get to, like, you see a bunch of stuff that like, it's just like, he, he just has a bunch of trinkets because he doesn't want to forget again, like sort of who he is. Uh, he also, you know, he's, he has some books, um, but mostly it's just like, he has these things, uh, and he, it's clear that he's, he, he doesn't want to forget things anymore. Um, and let's say, uh, Bijan just before Remy, takes his his long rest and has his nap. Um, you know, he's like going through his bag and is maybe just taking stock in some of the things that he has uh, from uh, Rigamont B. And there are two things of note that you're not sure what they do, but they're definitely more important than most of the other artsy trinkets that you got uh, from the Onverter's uh, gallery slash treasury. And I'm just going to describe those things right now so that you know what they are when you meet everybody in the morning. Um, and I'll do this for everybody as they're sort of settling into their rooms. Uh, so are you are you ready to take some notes? Uh, I have I have Excel or, or Google Sheets open. I'm ready. Nice. No brand names okay, so until Alphabet pays us the big bucks. <laughs> you have it's four pairs of Nike sneakers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Don't new, tell Marcus. Sorry, Air Force, Air Force Ones, <laughs> new in box. Damn. No, um, uh, so the first thing of note that you see is a small metal box with uh, a button on it. And the button is not lighted. It's just uh, also metal. And um, out of the top of the small box pointing forward are curved antenna that form an open circle. And at the end of either of the pieces of antenna, there's like a, a little sort of, looks like, like stone marbles almost. So there's like empty space between the curved antenna and, you know, sort of, uh, uh, this is hard to describe. It sort of looks like big calipers, if that makes sense. Unfortunately, calipers for one's head, perhaps. But with a box attached to it. You don't know what it does. Um, and there is a leather bag that is attached semi-permanently to a hook that's underneath the box. And then the second thing is uh, an ornate silver gift box with a latch. And the box is covered in a, a relief of what looks like a bunch of little demons um, and like you know, like fish with arms and legs um, and birds with antennas and octopus uh, tentacles dancing around a bonfire. Um, 
The latch is not locked, so you could open it if you want to see what's inside of it. Yeah, Remy opens it. <laughs> when you open it, the very dense red jelly that is inside of it jiggles a little bit. Sick. <laughs> the, those are the two. Those are the two sort of notable things that you managed to swipe from the Onverders Gallery. Cool. Yeah, Remy's like mildly interested, but he's much more interested in the uh, Illithanari Archaeotech. Uh, if that's one of the, is that one of those things? Uh, let me look. Let me see. But he's interested in the visor that he has. One of those things is the Ill- is Illithnari Archaeotech. Okay, yeah, he's much more interested in the Onvader's yeah. pistol um, that he got instead. Um, he's like, yeah, this stuff is cool. Probably don't need it. Yeah, so you also have the visor <laughs> and the Onvader's pistol. Yeah, he's much. Remy's much more interested in those two things. Uh, and his, his souvenir for this run is... Uh, I think it's a machete that he picked up. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that you pried out mm-hmm. of the hands of a dead yep. person. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Venus's room um, actually always changes because Venus has the power to go back in time. And so one way that Venus can have multiple rooms is to just have different rooms <laughs> um, every few <laughs> weeks. Um, uh, right now, uh, and then he could travel as he likes to the room of requirement. I wonder if that's patented. Um, so right now it looks very much like a, a science lab. Um, there's no bed. Um, it's just um, little shelves carved into the rock. Unless Mike, you know something about this rock that I don't know. And yeah, you could. You, someone would have some sort of technology that allows you to hang shelves okay. on this otherwise, yeah, extremely hard to um, to cut into. Okay. Uh, yes, substrate. Well, they were they were designed perfectly to look like they were carved from the rock, even though they weren't. <laughs> um, and uh, there's just little bottles, obviously little, uh, maybe little experiments, twin experiments of time travel and multiple ways to see how two identical grapes handled the various trips, things like that. <laughs> um, some of them are glowing jars. Some of them are pipettes and various types of strange um, science equipment. Um, some of it looks a bit more uh, bespoke than the kind of very modern, clean science ex- uh, experiment that we, uh, uh, I'm sorry, equipment that we are maybe used to seeing in film and television. Nice. It's like uh, pieces of hand-blown glass. Yes. Very much, very twisty and uh, gnarly. Yeah. So you you also spy uh, you spy in your bag two two pieces that look so that sort of stand out from all the other knickknacks that you have. Yes. Um, the first is there's kind of no other way to describe it besides uh, like other than the type of sunglasses that Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> would wear. Yes. Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, but they're but they're much much bigger. And it looks like they have built-in headphones. Mm-hmm. So it looks like uh, a it looks like a, a piece of like aftermarket Sega gear that you would put on <laughs> to like simulate VR in the nineties. Yeah, from Sega. I mean, yeah, you you don't from you Sega. don't know Sega. Sega. Yeah. Well, who would be making this? Taylor, you know these things. You're supposed to chime in you here. You called it Sega. Yeah, Sega. <laughs> Sega. Can we get I the call uh, it Sega. Mike? Mike, can we get the, the Sega uh, noise bumper thing put in right here? Sega! Sega! <laughs> Just right here. You don't know what it is, but to us, if we saw it, it would be something that you would think Oakley made. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other thing that you have is a, a harness. Like You can't tell if the, like the straps are like, uh, the straps are 
like maybe leather. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the center where all the straps meet and there's some buckles and there's some other sort of like attachment bits, mm-hmm. uh, there's like a heavy metal something. It's kind of like the size of a small book. And when you look at it closely, it looks like many small pieces of steel that are held in to some case or some frame. You can see like a bunch of hinges and there are a few springs uh, and there is a tiny little latch on the bottom of it. Hmm. Uh, And that's that's the stuff that you that's the stuff that you see in your bag that seems sort of more noteworthy than anything else. Okay. I hold I hold the big glasses, the, the Macho Man Randy Savage glasses with um, earpiece accessory kit up to my face, but I do not actually put them on. Um, you can see that there is some sort of animation or heads up display or something mm-hmm. that's that's sort of flickering and and showing on the glasses, but you can't tell exactly what it is. Well, well, what do they think of next? Ah, I throw them back in the bag. <laughs> The bag. <laughs> um, and I go back uh, to tinkering with some of my bobbles and glass beads. Jesus. Very nice. Mercus is walking down the hallway, uh, talking to the stylophone and uh, just saying briefly, and then she didn't let me drive, and now I'm back home. And he's just mumbling to himself uh, and pushes through some tarp to get into his shared room blob with his brother Marcos, who is asleep. So Mercus is taking off the riot gear and hanging it like very carefully on like a pegboard that's to the right of the door. Um, all of their gear is just like kind of knolled like nicely on a pegboard. But you'll notice on the left side of the room, lining the entire wall is just a collection of shoes just in threes. And so he's <laughs> kicking off uh, the duck boots um, and puts them back very gingerly and very carefully, but just sighs really heavily at the empty spot for the baby duck boot. Uh, oh. He has, instead of beds, they have more like horizontal bars that are hanging from the ceiling. And uh, they like to sleep um, with their bodies leaning on a bar horizontally and their arms kind of and tail just la- like falling down. <laughs> Sure, I get it, yeah. But uh, he has a little peg for for the the rucksack and um, notices that it's open uh, as he's getting ready to go to sleep. You have, I believe, three things that are of interest. You uh, lost some things when the Saffron Anox uh, decided to take to empty your bag, but you managed to keep uh, kind of, I think, the three most important things. You have the very heavy disc with the lighted purple button that you pulled off of the Illithnari. You Again, you don't know what it does, uh, but it's, yeah, it's a heavy disc with a lightly glowing purple button. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Illithnari's blood cloak, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, kind of is what it sounds like. It's a, a, sli- a long, slick cloak covered in a blood-like substance. Oh um, and you also have, amongst all the little trinkets that you that you swiped, uh, it's it's kind of like a small, shiny, silver blimp shape, uh, and it's got a very long ergonomic handle on it. It's got what looks like a plunger coming out of the back of it. And this object is 
very well made, very shiny, very smooth. It's I think you would perceive it as being like very pleasing. Like there's something about it that's just very nice that it like looks clean and well designed and manufactured in a way that you don't normally see things on spin. Uh, so it's just like kind of cool and pretty, though again, you have no idea what it does. And it just doesn't touch any of it. It just closes the this flap on the bag and uh, crawls or does a pull up into bed. <laughs> and on the ceiling, there is a portrait of all 26 of his brothers uh, <laughs> who are all, <laughs> you know, just standing in front of a stiff work, like doing a silly picture. <laughs> sure. Right. Let's, let's do a fun one. Yeah. And he's just like, night, Marcos. Night, Marcus. Nice, Mark. Night, Mark. <laughs> Good night, Marquise. Good night, Marquez. Marqueso. And just falls asleep saying all of his brothers' names. Oh, it's like counting sheep, but counting brothers. Yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> Upon entering her, her uh, little room, um, you'll you would notice that this place is a mess it's 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 a complete mess it, it looks like it looks like a bomb went off uh there's papers strewn all about um there are some books laid out that are clearly from the archives you know part of her work and then there's clearly illegal notes that she wrote um from previous books that she took out oh yeah like, no you can't copy those passages what are you doing yeah she did it um <laughs> there are notes all over there are little pieces of paper everywhere you know scribbled uh little notes of people answering the question what's the oldest thing you remember um you also notice in one of the corners there seem to be like little dioramas of famous rom-com scenes you know <laughs> like a little scene from when harry met sally you you know, a little uh, scene from Love Actually. Um, there's also random pictures of swords kind of mm, like mm -hmm. taped to the wall. Uh, there's little pieces of metal everywhere like she's clearly was eating and just like little knobs and um, little nails fell to the ground because those are kind of like chips to her. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy space, but she like kind of clears some paper some of the papers in one corner of the room and she's like, well, if Oat does take me up on the offer, this will be for him. You look in your bag and you have uh, three items that seem interesting. Okay. Um, the first kind of looks like a fish bowl, okay. but it's upside down. So there's, an, there's an, like a, a, a glass or glass-ish bulb, mm. um, large, uh, maybe about like, 10 inches across mm. um, and it has a game something that looks like a Game Boy attached to it um, into the into the center of it and the Game Boy has a, a, a big dial in the center with a with an arrow on it and uh, around the dial are a bunch of symbols that you don't recognize okay. and then it's got you know like a Game Boy it's got a screen but above the screen there are what, what looks like cartoon eyebrows okay Interesting. The second thing is it fits it fits in the palm of your hand. It might be a, like a little bit bigger. It's very heavy and it, it looks like a two-sided dart. Um, there's a there's a long point on either end. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like brass or or some kind of metal like knurled uh, pattern on it. Um, and it looks like it's screwed together at the center. Like you could separate it into two pieces. And the third is a big, heavy, 
weird helmet that's okay. kind of got a bunch of like bulbous shapes on it and the viewport is a weird size and kind of um, asymmetric. It's very heavy. It's very old. It's Some parts of it are rusted or, or kind of um, decaying. Uh, but if you turn it upside down and you look into it, you can see that the inside is pretty well maintained. Uh, like the padding has been refurbished. Um, and inside the viewport, there's um, the piece of glass that's there. It kind of like blinks every once in a while. Uh, like there's, there's some sort of piece of, there's some sort of information that it is communicating. Um, and it seems like it's powered and you know, is functional. It will do whatever it does. Interesting. <laughs> Beta has the three items and she kind of like puts it in a, cor a corner of the room, but then she takes NTS and she gently lays NTS in the When Harry Met Sally restaurant scene diorama. Um, and says, yeah, he just, he just <laughs> floats lightly above the table. Yeah, and says, you'll sleep here. And of course gives it a little kiss on the top. <laughs> Um, all right, all of you head to bed and take a rest, and you can regain pool. Yeah. Sick. Marcus did not regain full grit, but a good amount. Marcus worked hard. Also, um, Beta, as she um, absorbs one grit per hour from her surroundings, can I um, add 12 grit? Um, I would say, I don't know that you slept for 12 hours. I would say mm. that you could probably add six. We'll take it. Hey everyone, your GM Mike here to say hello. We hope you're having as good a day as could be expected in the year 2020 and to tell you about our Patreon, where for as little as five bucks a month, you can get access to our Discord bonus content, our bi-weekly post-episode chat show, fun chatty and other fun surprises. Your support means that we can keep making the show and make it awesome. So if you want to help out, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Fun City Ventures. Get on in here. And so, after two long days, the members of this newly formed crew rest. Remy amongst his mementos, Venos amongst this particular set of instruments, Beta with her papers and ambitions, Mercus, his shoes, and brothers. Below them, stiff works silently shift fleeters from here to there and back on their worshipful business. Above them, the archivists toil in their labs and comb their chanceries. The directorate plots, the refactors sleep. Algar sleeps in his sizable, inherited room blob, amongst his clocks, his long in-progress memoir, and of course, another long, mossy wall. Spindle does not sleep. 
There's always some business to be done, some code remnant to be deciphered, or some long-lost gizmo to be prodded. The flats, the basilicon, they may be barren, but the canteen is dotted at all hours with fleeters, drinking, scheming, drawing maps for each other on discarded leaflets, telling tales of this Migo encounter or that bout of time sickness. A large collection of blobs partitioned and demarcated by handmade signage, colored rope, and an ever-shifting decor. The canteen is where fleeters go to relax, to cause trouble, to do deals, and to see deals be done. In the morning, each member of the team arises, and one by one, they file to the canteen to the far portion, near the tavern blob with the phytonutrient nanoreplicators that print out the closest thing to a passable breakfast here, wherever we are, in space. Uh, Mercus is is uh, rubbing his his eyes and is shuffling in some uh, oogs, which are from Australia. Uh, they're very comfortable boots. And now has a baby oog on his tail, <laughs> and is uh, making his way to a table. Yeah, Remy spots uh, the boot and is like, "Oh, I know that boot," and uh, uh, joins. Avinos is already halfway done uh, his phytonutrient nutrient. Um, meal form uh it is uh <laughs> shaped like a um, happy turtle and he's <laughs> he's started with the back half because he doesn't want to lose that smile and happy turtle happy turtle special very popular this season. yes it is yes it is now you know why i was up early um and uh venus is uh very cheerful and he sees the two approaching um, and he gives him a, a little wave. Yo, Big V, how's the how's how's the turtle? Oh, you've seen my turtle. Yes, delicious as always. I recommend you getting one yourself if they still have it. What does it taste like today? I, I feel like it changes every time I every time I, I look at them. Every time I look at the menu, it's different. Well, you know, you ask a thousand fools and each one will tell you a tale. <laughs> but I would say, have you ever tasted the sumptuous spice of Raskunari? <laughs> wow. Can't say that I have. He, 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 that's not the first time Venus has gotten this look, which is no, um, and waiting. And he said, well, I think it's a bit akin to that, if I do say so myself. But don't cool. tell the chef I said so. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Venus. And it's a compliment. Thanks, Venus. You're welcome. Yeah, Remy goes and gets, he goes for a turtle and then heads back to the table. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are, you are extruded a turtle from one of the, uh, yeah, nano, nano food extruders behind, uh, behind the bar. Um, the, the cactoid bartender hands it to you. Beta heads over to the table. She is not eating any of the phytonutrients. She's um, gnawing on what looks to be uh, bicycle handlebars um, <laughs> and sits down next to Venus. Hey, Remy, how do you feel? Much better. Thank you for asking, Marcus. I appreciate, I, look, I appreciate you asking, and Remy takes a huge bite of the turtle uh, and starts coughing because it's very dry. 
<laughs> I mean, I've never worked with you before. I've never seen anyone jump on a grenade like that. Don't get used to it. Won't happen again. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I love, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's nice to show off. You understand? Sometimes. Show off? <laughs> jump on metaphorical grenades. <laughs> uh, and he slams down the pistol, uh, the box, and the uh, other box. And he's just like, I'm, I'm ready to give these up. I don't want any of this stuff. Keeping the visor, though. What about you guys? Do you bring anything? Or do you oh, not carry uh, your uh, your illicit tech with you? I just don't know what it is. I have this big purple button I want to press, but I feel like I probably shouldn't. No, and I also have it. this very scary looking sheet. It's <laughs> the blood cloak. Press the button. Press the button. <laughs> I want to see what it does. I don't think we should press the button. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so he's holding the blood cloak with like the end of the pen he was going to give Algar. <laughs> Is it looks scary? I have this, and then also this, and it's a silver blimp. I don't know what I should keep or what should we should give back. I guess it depends on what we tell them. Yeah, I think uh, just for me, I don't know about you guys, what you guys are feeling, but you know, I would like to keep NTS. I just think NTS will be a little bit more comfortable <laughs> if uh, he's just he's he's he wouldn't really like the archive. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Beta, I think you're right. Well, I thought <laughs> it ate you back there. Oh. Well, I'm very disappointed in all of you. I must say, I intend to return every piece except for a couple that I seem to have misplaced. And then he winks um, <laughs> at each and every one of them. And then he winks at his turtle. <laughs> uh, the turtle does not wink back. I like, I'd be scared if it did. Remy says, yeah. Yo, how are you eating this? I was following your lead. It looked cool. I wanted to eat a turtle. It's very good. If you would like to, before you decide, you can get your gear appraised. Um, in the canteen. And I think like, you know, if you wanted to do that, that amongst the group of you, uh, I think you would probably know a couple people who might be willing to take a look at your technology, uh, take a look at the things that you have, and for a price, tell you what they are. You don't have to do that, but if you would like to have more information about what you have, then those people could provide it. Then Beta is definitely gonna. She's she's curious, so she's definitely gonna get them at least to praise uh, the three items, not not NTS, obviously. So Beta, I think um, I think of the group, you would probably know Gray Cloud Eater. Okay. Um, and Gray Cloud Eater is a waiting engineer um, mm. and former archivist who has a shop uh, that is um, in the canteen. You know, probably about a five minute walk away. Mike, are former archivists common? Yeah, it's like, I would not say common, but uh, there are definitely people who are on spin who, you know, have just left the archive or been kicked out of the archive, but have managed to kind of stay around. Um, so Beta leans into the team and says, hey, just, you know, between us all, since we're such great friends now, I know I know someone who may be able to get us some information about this tech. Remy, you would probably know Brandish Tam. Yeah, oh yeah, Big T, BT. Brandish Tam is 
kind of like a jack of all trades. He just kind of deals in items. Yeah, we could take. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Brandish Tam. Brandish Tam is the kind of guy that that knows people. You know. Yeah, he's a guy that he. So Remy likes Brandish Tam because Brandish Tam is like the kind of guy that Remy was like back in back back in the day. Uh, so he's like, yeah, Brandish Tam. I know. BT. Let's take let's take him our stuff. We'll uh, we'll figure it out. He knows a guy. So he knows just a guy. to be clear, these are it's two different people. It's Gray Gray Cloud Eater yep. is uh, the person. That, okay, great. Perfect. No, it's just, Remy's like obviously gonna ride for his guy because like obviously he gets a cut and Remy may get a cut of the cut because it's you know <laughs> you, nobody works for free. Well, Beta's gonna be a little bit. She wants to meet this this other guy, but she does think Gray Cloud Eater will know more information about it, and that's really what she's after. So she's kind of, but she's not saying anything really. She's like, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess we can we can go with your guy, I mean, Remy. Look, Beta, look, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. I'm taking my stuff to this guy. I worked with him before. He's good. BT's a good guy. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. If you take your stuff there, you're going to have to pay a little bit because obviously this is a service. I don't have a lot of, uh, what do you call it? It is a nominal Moolah. fee. It's a nominal fee. It's a, it's a, it's a praised on the value of the good, and you only have to pay whenever you give the good to the archive and you get your bonus. He knows guys. He knows right, guys. He knows guys. Beta's gonna uh, fuck. To be clear, Brandish Tam is definitely going to charge you up front. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I guess maybe that's true. But also, yeah, Remy, Remy is like, he's been, I, I think, can I say this, Mike? He's been promised a, like a cut of whatever comes through that he re- like recommends. Like it's an affiliate link program. <laughs> um, pass a charm check. <laughs> okay. And if you pass a charm check, yes. Five? You can tell you can tell people that you get a cut, but you do not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or you can you can think that you uh, have an arrangement with Brandish Tam, or that one is in the works, but it does not exist yet. Okay, yeah, yeah, that way, yeah. Remy's like, I don't know, I don't know about your guy Beta, but like my guy, I know him. He knows me. We're working out some deals together. He's a good guy. Beta can see that uh, Remy really uh, wants to take it to his guy, and she's thinking back that Remy, he did a lot in this last mission, so she's like, all right, let's take it to your guy. Venus, Mercus, what, what do you guys think? Mm, I don't have a lot of money to spend, but I will go with you. It sounds good to me. So y'all have decided you are going to go visit Brandish Tam. Maybe we'll meet Gray Cloud Eater later. But for now, you are heading um, across the canteen to uh, Brandish Tam's shop. He has a shop that is uh, sort of on the edge of the canteen, closer to the bays. As you approach, you can see uh, that the the black curtain uh, that hangs uh, over the front of it is drawn and it's open. Um, you can see... On the other side of it, there's just tons of stuff. Uh, he his his shop blob is packed to the brim with things: uh, small boxes, weird pieces of technology, uh, weapons, swords, books, uh, various materials, building materials, things you don't even know what they are. And uh, sitting in a small desk, uh, sort of barely perceivable because of the crowdedness of the space, is Brandish Tam. Uh, and Brandish Tam is a he's a small. Uh, gnome-like man uh, with huge 
thick black eyebrows and a knot of dense, shiny and wavy black hair that's tied up into like a huge bun on the top of his head. He is uh, sitting at the desk writing. You can see he's got these like huge arms. He's very muscular. Uh, He's got a wide nose and this dimpled chin that's pointing down. Um, And there's a single light kind of floating above him, not appearing attached to anything and just illuminating the space. Uh, Yeah, he's just working quietly in his office as you approach. Mike, can I just say you just described Eugene Levy, but with long hair? (laughs) He's kind of like, he's kind of like hot, not that Eugene Levy's not hot, hot, tiny Eugene Levy. (laughs) With like like maybe a little bit of Henry Rollins. Wow. Yeah, so uh, Remy's in front. He's like, yo, BT, because he doesn't see him at first. Yo, BT, you there? No! There he is. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see you walk in. Oh, hello, Remy. It's, it's you. Me. Now, your friends your friends are new. Your friends, are they okay? They're, are cool, they cool? they're cool. They're cool. They're, they, they, I told them that you know guys, that we know guys, and also that you give a fair prices on appraisals. You're the guy to know. And they were like, hey. You are not going to find, you're not going to find a single price that's fair anywhere on spin, on any Hulk, planet side, than for me, British Tam. That's what I like about you, BT. <laughs> I know that I'm not getting that ripped off. Just a little bit. You know, just a fair amount. <laughs> He's joking. I am. I am. That's why we work so well together. <laughs> so I got some stuff for you. I got some stuff. To, I got some stuff to show you. Hey, okay, you know that you do not get a cut. This is yes. Right? <laughs> Who said I got a cut? I didn't say that. Every time you're in here, you're asked for a cut of everything you bring in. And the answer is today the same as it was I yesterday. Didn't. No. I did not say a single thing. I walk in here and you accuse me of something immediately. Brandish Tam, you should be a. This is not. You an should be ashamed. This is ashamed. And let's see what you brought. Brandish Tam. Today is different than the other days. I brought my friends this time. Be cool, Brandish Tam. It gets no cooler than Brandish Tam. <laughs> he does finger. He does finger guns. <laughs> Remy Remy slams the pistol on his table. Holy shit. Yeah, right? You like? Don't fucking touch it. Now, where did you get this? She's dead. Who? The the the, the person who had this guy. I just took it off a dead body. Come on, man. I don't even have to touch this to know that this is really serious stuff. It's serious stuff, and we're turning it over. It's too oh, serious you, for me. You, uh, Above yeah, my pay grade. You better turn this over. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you think? What do you think? How much is it worth? Ah, uh, okay, look, 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 look. St- this is extraordinary, but uh, standard deal, I think. Um, uh, I'll appraise any item for 50 gilder. And it'll take one standard spin hour. One standard spin hour, huh? You said it, not me. No, you said it first. We talked. I said it first, but the second time was ready. All you. (laughs) Okay. Okay, that's fair. Fifty gilder, one hour, and I will take a look at this beautiful object you have put down in front of me. Okay. Uh, And Remy turns to the rest of the party. What do you guys think? Fifty gilder, one hour. Mercus is whispering into the stylophone. Remy said I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, uh, separate question for you, the DM. How much money did we start with? What's the calculation again? Uh, Your starting money is 10 times max will plus max charisma. Mm. So Remy has 140 gilder on him. So what do you guys think? So the rate is to, we give him 50 50 gilder per item or per, per to look at everything? Seems like the standard rate is 50 gilder per item. Ooh, I think I will have Mr. BT. Um, I will have you look at one of my items. I'm sorry. Are you are you are you are you addressing me? He was he was um, absolutely absorbed in the pistol on the. 
surface. Um, yes. Um, ah. um, it, if you have some moments, maybe after after you look at that one, and then Beta props on the desk the big heavy helmet. Maud Void, you people are walking, rolling, and flying heady into my place today. What fantastic adventure has yielded such a bounty? Can't talk about it. You know that we 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 are sworn to secrets secrecy. No, you're not. Remy looks at Baden's like, yeah, <laughs> nods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We are sworn to secrecy. We cannot speak of our adventures. Listen, it's been a long time. I don't remember the five rules of promises or whatever. Okay, maybe you're sworn now. <laughs> I don't remember being sworn. But um, uh, fine. Uh, this one is called this one is called the cloak of lies. Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> Fine, fine, fine. I'm not going to ask where you got these incredible objects anymore, but I will tell you the same thing I told him. 50 gilder per item. It'll take one hour. Beta throws the money on the table. She doesn't care about money. Beta, do you think that it is likely that you have had something appraised by Grey Cloud Eater before? Or do you think Grey Cloud Eater is someone who you just talk to about old memories? I think Beta would have, any time that she would have gotten an item, she probably would have had it appraised just to get more information on it. So yeah, I think she she has. So you would you would know, and I think like you can keep this to yourself. Yeah. Uh, like you know, I think maybe you're like testing the waters here to see what Brandish Tam's deal is. Mm-hmm. But Gray Cloud Eater tends to charge thirty gilder. Mm. Yeah, Beta's not going to say anything. She's just she's just yeah. going with the flow. Are you going to go to Gray Cloud Eater? What? Who? Are you going to go to Gray Cloud Eater? Um, I can see it in mm-hmm. your eyes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that stuff up there. I mean, on your <laughs> head. <laughs> Yeah, I mean yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to. Don't. Why? I'll cut you a deal. A, a deal? deal? I'll cut you a deal. You tell me. I'm listening. You tell me what the job was that gave you these items, and I'll appraise them for free. But it will still take me an hour. I am not a hell scientist. I am not crazy magic man. I have normal things. You understand? An hour I cannot scrimp on, but I will cut you a deal for a little thing right. I call secrets and knowledge. All right, let me discuss with my team. Hey, team, that seems like a pretty good deal. Marcus is dancing, like, from one foot to the other, like, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if we should tell secrets like that. I'm thinking we do it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Remy? Yes? (laughs) Should we do it? Well, then it's uh, that means I can afford it, too, if it's free. Yes. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I see acceptance in your visage. Now, dish. Uh, dish. Marcus is pulling the uh, the blood cloak out of his bag with like holding the end of it with the pen, just like holding it in the air, not putting it down on the table because he's afraid of what it'll do. Oh, oh wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's you, right. That's right. You. Oh, um. All right. You know the deal. You tell me where and why, and the appraisal comes to you from this little guy for no money. <laughs> I'm British Tam. Sounds like a deal to me, BT. BT, we went, we met the Onvader. Tell me every detail. Well, <laughs> a lot of, there were a lot of dead people in her front yard. <laughs> a lot of them. The house was weird too. It was like a lot of moving panels. There was a tree. We found, we found a, an Ilithnari.
And then, I, you know, I got some hands, I got some feet. They're still in my bag if you want to take a look at those. Uh, and we, we took a, we took, we took a, or we took our mounts back. We narrowly escaped death. And now we're here after a nap. And of, uh, I mean, of course you would come to me, Bradish Tan, before, um, Brandish, before we, you, yes, Brandish, I before bring you acquisitions, of course, is there an archivist that, 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 um, that knows you, you are here? Uh, Remy looks around at the group and looks back at Brandish Tam, and it's very obvious that no, the answer is no. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, well then, uh, huh, I will look and appraise all these items free of charge for you. Because that's your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you are to come back no more than three standard spin hours from now, and I will give these items back to you to return as you have sworn to uh, acquisition. Excellent. Uh, this is clear. Excellent, BT. And uh, Remy takes the pistol back and drops the weird box with the calipers instead and says, take care of that. Wait, no, no, no. Give me that back. No. <laughs> well, that's the, but that's, but that's the best one. You said you'd appraise anything. <laughs> I, I will. I'll, I'm happy to so appraise these this. Uh, delicious calipers you have brought in front of me. <laughs> but you want to be very, very careful with that uh, hand cannon you've got, young man. <laughs> That's why I'm keeping it on me and my finger away no, from the trigger. Need, I need to look at that. You, no, you are walking around with uh, something very dangerous in your pocket, and you do not know how dangerous it is until British Tam tells you how. So no, 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 so, it's great. I'll talk to the archive. They'll they'll do it for free. A deal's a deal. A deal is a deal. Thank you, BT. Love doing business with you. Beta was you know impressed by the by the whole interaction because she's pretty straightforward with people and she just puts the fishbowl on the table and also the two-sided dart <laughs> yeah i guess remy remy drops his other his other illithnari tech uh the um not the one with the calipers the 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 silver box covered in a relief of demons with jelly inside Mercus lowers the blood cloak back into his bag because he's just oh. too afraid to leave it anywhere. <laughs> oh. and, and pulls out the shiny blimp <laughs> and puts it on the table. Fine. Uh, Venus also leaves uh, the glasses and harness um, at the thing. He doesn't uh, leave the multi-object just because he is going to be returning that anyway and doesn't want to risk losing it. Thank you, BT. We love doing business with you. We'll be back. We'll bring you. We'll bring you more cool stuff. We got more cool stuff. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. I can't wait. Thank you for <laughs> your custom here at Brandish Tams. It was a pleasure meeting you, Brandish. I I think I think that's enough wheeling and dealing for one day for me. But if you guys want to go see GCE, that's all you. I for one think we should go talk to Algar. Uh, figure out what we're gonna say because I don't think anything went totally wrong. I mean, we almost got killed by the the big. Uh, spaceship alien thing the saffron anox uh, no the uh was it the illithnari it was the illithnari the void elf the, the void elf, elf. Oh, the right void different elf. thing yes, yes. Yeah, yeah we should probably get our story straight on where uh the story ends yeah <laughs> i think the story ends with the void elf i don't the see why elf? it shouldn't we should say that the that we fought off the void elf yes yes Yes. And we came straight that's home. badass. Yes. Should All we... Right. Sounds wait good to me. A minute. Should we omit details about Mr. Oat? Mm. Who? Oh. <laughs> who? The Oat. person who saved us from the second grenade. <laughs> Remy's just winking. <laughs> <laughs> Mergus oh, right. doesn't get it. Yes. Mergus just doesn't get it. He's <laughs> too earnest. Beta, Beta <laughs> goes to Mercus, kind of like whispers like, 
he he knows he knows who Oat is. Oh. He's just saying that we that we, we were pretending we don't know. Okie dokie. <laughs> Got it. I would like it on record that I tacked us back. Sure. <laughs> noted, sure. noted, yes, yes. Ah. Oh, I like lying. <laughs> All right. Don't get used to it. Lying is hard because you have to remember what you said. Uh-oh. <laughs> the truth is always easiest to remember. And Mercus is taking out the stylophone and pretending to erase, <laughs> which is not really doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. See, Mercus, you get you get it. You're getting it. Shall we see Algar? I, uh, I, I'm wondering if I can, like, you know, you know, stop by my, you know, I would like to freshen up a little bit, but I guess we can go now. <laughs> you guys head to the Basilicon? Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Remy's like, Beta, I don't know what he doesn't see in you. I don't get it. I just, I don't you. understand his. That's so sweet of you, Remy. <laughs> They're just, I, I think he's just gossiping with Beta the whole way over. <laughs> <laughs> The team makes their way from Brandish's shop blob back across the edge of the canteen. It's just clearing out after breakfast. Shop owners are opening for the day. The phytonutrient nanoreplicators are being set to their lunch shapes. Those arriving back on spin from various ventures discuss their reports over kelp lager and plates of hard brown crackers called dark pan. Between the canteen and the Basilicon is the closest thing Spindle has to open public space. Fleeters call it the green, though, of course, it is entirely matte black rock. The green is a continuous blob, taller than most, and much wider than it is long. This is where public meetings are held, where children play games, where the veiling, a kind of quarterly job auction, takes place. Today, as the crew makes their way across, a number of vendors visiting from Darasan have set up an impromptu market, complete with the covered stalls needed to protect goods on their cool, perpetually rainy planet. They sit quietly by colorful robes, intricate baskets, and strange-looking clank firearms adorned with leaves and flowers. The Basilicon is a Warren-like arrangement of countless offices, home to refactors and, of course, acquisitions. The team passes the front desk, a large slab of spindle rock behind which stands a single waitin', and makes their way through the maze of hallways to Algar's office. When they enter, he is present with his beetle beard, four watches, and mossy jacket. Ah, you've returned. It's so nice to see you. Please tell me it went well. Oh, uh, please yeah. have a have a seat. Have a seat. Sorry, sorry. And Mercus Remy slams the pistol down oh. on his desk. <laughs> <gasps> oh my word! And he um, reaches into his desk, sort of tugs at some drawers, and it makes this terrible screeching noise because it's this awful old metal desk. And he. Uh, he pulls out a monocle. <laughs> um, it's like a very, but it's like a big monocle. It's almost like a magnifying glass without a handle. It's got a little tab on it that he'll hold onto. And he picks up the pistol very carefully and passes the monocle over it. He gets close to it and he sort of looks at it and he puts it down on his desk and he goes, well, do tell. 
<laughs> and Mercus has the the giant pen that he took from the library in both hands. <laughs> he wanted to like give it to him first, and it's just like, I also got you this pen. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, th um, this is very nice. Thank, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, and uh, you could tell when you hand it to him, uh, his hand <laughs> dips a little bit because it's much heavier than he thought it was going to be. Yeah, I was carrying that this whole time. And uh, that must have been quite a feat for you. <laughs> uh, and he he uh, opens up another drawer and takes out uh, the sort of standard refactor uh, like set of forms and begins arranging them very carefully on his desk. And he says, oh, and did you get the vascular multi-object? Uh, Venus uh, pulls it out and he says, you tell me, young oh, man. <laughs> it is quite strange, isn't it? It is. I've never seen anything like it in all the times I've been to and from. Bearing in mind all of the remits and the defenses and, and the honorings and the promises, um, just, yeah, um, what, what happened? What would you like me to put in the report? Vader's like, oh, um, <laughs> uh, she <laughs> she has kind of used her foot to kind of push as she's going to sit down, like push the chair out so that she falls on the ground <laughs> and goes, whoops, oh, I'm so clumsy. Um, well, maybe you could put that we completed the mission. They usually need a bit of more detail than that, Beta. Please go on. Oh, um, <laughs> we, um, uh, <laughs> she's just facing the other way towards the wall. <laughs> Mercus pulls out the stylophone. Like, after we met the factor out there, we jumped on some zogs and made it to the estate. Mm -hmm. And the, the boss woman was there. The onvader was there to greet us. Did she give you her, I mean, I, I, I've read the report, um, I mean, this is her pistol. She gave you this? Well, a few other things happened first. You know, Doc, she's, uh... And he, he throws something in his mouth and he's just chewing. He's like, <laughs> you know, she's not... She's not alive anymore. So we just took it. I just took it. Oh, interesting. Yes, the, the place was picked pretty clean, except for a few trinkets and other oddities we found that we have in these bags. But the reason we were able to secure this was that we actually witnessed the Onvader's death. Oh my, what it, What happened? It was a valiant battle with an Illith Mari. <gasps> Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, we will find a, a way to explain this in the contract, but this is, you have the Vasula multi-object, the Onvader's own pistol, and you said that you ha you managed to gather other items? Yes, we have a few bags here. We also must report that her armor was left at the scene of her death. It was too he heavy for us to carry, unfortunately. My apologies a thousand times today and tomorrow. Uh, the directorate loves to follow up, though, so I'll make sure we keep that in the report. Yes. Uh, this, I mean, you, this is an astounding find you, you, i mean the archive will study this item for decades if not centuries but this is a boss pistol 
that is crafted specifically for the Onvader. There are things about the construction of this item that that the Archive likely has wanted to know for as long as it's existed. Mercus raises a tiny bulbous finger and says, actually, may I have that pen back very quickly? <laughs> uh, yeah, he hands you, he gets a quizzical look on his face and reaches behind him and grabs the pen where he put it on a small filing cabinet and hands it to you. And very carefully out of his bag, Mercus is shaking like the little arm is shaking and uh, pulling out with the pen this uh, blood cloak. Oh my no. Trying not to look at it like <laughs> So I take it the Ilithnari did not make it either. No. The Onvader uh, killed it. Look Doc, we did our best. I can tell. <laughs> okay. Give me a moment. And he starts scribbling in the papers that he has piled all around his desk um, and he's moving from form to form and he's checking boxes and writing out little pieces of, of notes here and there and like flipping through all of this paperwork and you know basically just doing bureaucracy in front of you and uh, after a couple minutes of doing this he reaches into a drawer behind him um, and he pulls out a two uh, he pulls out like two flat pack boxes and he assembles them um, into these basically like little you know little open containers he uh, very gingerly and sort of with reverence puts the Onvader's pistol into and it, it like barely fits it hangs over the sides because it's so big um, and then uh, he uh, like reaches into his desk and pulls out some pincers and grabs the cloak with it and puts the cloak in another and he uh, places the one box on top of the other and he stands from his desk and he goes if you don't mind I'm going to go remit these to the archive right now just so that um, they're taken care of uh, and I'm just going to have the briefest conversation with my factor, and uh, and then we'll have uh, have a, a bit of a conversation about your payment. Yes. So we're getting a bonus, right? I think that that is likely the case. Yes. I <laughs> think it's likely that I as well am getting a bonus. <laughs> oh, sounds the good, Elgar. for everyone. Uh, so please just um, hold tight for a moment, uh, and he leaves the room. <laughs> um, You're alone in Algar's office for a little while. You can touch the moss if you want. Remy touches the moss. <laughs> it's great. It's very soft and kind of cool. <laughs> Venus goes to join him immediately. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're both, uh, Venus and Remy are both humans, right? Technically speaking. Uh, yeah. So green things do calm, calm us down. And it is very soft and slightly moist. It's like an echo of an outside world. As, as you're petting the moss, um, Algar sort of with a, a little look of disappointment on his face pops back in through the plastic curtain that separates his office blob from the hallway. Uh, and he sees you petting the moss and he goes, oh, it is, it is enjoyable, isn't it? He uh, puts his hands around the, the vasular multi-object and he says, Oh, I was so enthused by your other unexpected deliveries that I completely forgot about your central MacGuffin. Uh, uh, and he sort of looks at it and holds it. And, you know, it's weird looking at someone else hold it because depending upon the shape, sometimes it looks like they're not holding it, but it's still sort of levitating between his hands, you know, as it turns into something that's long and skinny. Uh, it, it looks like he shouldn't be able to be holding it aloft, but he he is. And he's sort of like looking at it quizzically and says, the directorate will of course be very pleased that you've returned this as well. It is, it's apparently a very, very valuable and highly sought after item, you see. Um, its its purpose is completely beyond me, but you know, this is often the case with the vial. For I mean, uh, the, um, 
the founding five. The founding five. Uh, excuse me a moment. And he leaves again. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Yes, he definitely said vile. We all heard it. Uh, and I think this would be something that, like, this is a nickname for the director at the five people that started the company that you, like, probably have never seen, uh, but you know are, you know, they run a trading company. Right. They're not great. They're not great people. Beta takes out um, the book, The Life and Times of Professor or whatever that she got from the um, the library. Oh, yeah. Um, nib- nibble. I forget. Uh, Zizzlebith Nibblebottom. Yes, and she uh, writes like a cryptic note in it, like "Got this for you." Does not sign who is is who who. She's not signing it, Beta, and she just puts a little heart and she puts it in Algar's desk. <laughs> uh, yeah, the drawer is kind of hard to open, and when you get it open, there's like a bunch of weird stuff in there. It's like a bunch of disassembled pens and what looks like pipe tobacco. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it fits and you close it. Uh, yeah, after a few minutes, uh, he comes back. Uh, he's got this big grin on his face and he sits down and he straightens the lapels on his jacket and he says, okay, so first things first, um, each of you will get the standard rate of 25 gilder. Uh, so you can plan on having that. Um, and you guys should uh, just in our world, you can write these things in your uh, in your character sheet. Mm-hmm. So each of you gets the standard rate of 25 gilder. We'll... Uh, award you an extra uh, 50 gilder for uh, the various uh, small art objects that you were able to acquire at the Onvader's estate. Venos, I'm, I'm ass- or Venos and everyone else, I'm assuming that you handed over like all the little knickknacks that you got and yeah, stuff too, like right? Yeah, like the little babies, yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Each of you uh, may, you may split um, amongst you a 500 gilder bonus for the pistol. Ooh, oh, wow. nice. Very good. Doc, that's great. The news gets better. Um... It seems as though you are all in line for a promotion. Oh. And with a and with a promotion, you may all also make use of a recruit. Um and he sort of like sits up a little bit and he goes, "Um recruit, uh you may enter." <sighs> hello. <laughs> oh. Who are you? Hi. Who are everyone. You? Uh, hello. It's nice to <clears throat> Hello, it's uh, it's nice to meet you for the first time. Doc, who the fuck is this? What is this? <laughs> uh, this uh, this gentleman was uh, just hired by the company. He is a he is a new arrival uh, who has requested a local assignment. Um, so if there is anything that you should need on spin, uh, you can come to me always, of course. But uh, you could also make use of this gentleman here. Um, sorry, what did you say your name was? Uh, my name is Oat, and you know, uh, a lot of still fleeters used to believe that Herajun were very lucky to have in their companionship, if I might remind everyone. Uh, yes, that is that ah. is true. So we used to call these uh, people like this interns back on Earth. Back, this was a long time. It was thousands of years ago. Millennia, <laughs> millennia upon millennia. But that was the last thing I remember before the whole thing. It's, but we had interns. It's been a long time since I did my my studies of the old cultures, but wasn't internment also a a word for prison? Yes. Yes. It was similar. (laughs) Well, this is nothing like that. (laughs) When when Remy said Remy, when you say yes, Oat looks at you and he's shooting daggers with his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Well well, it's a pleasure making your acquaintance, sir. Oat Minos, and I I hope you would also ask me if you need have need of anything in the science of hell. 
Marcus is around oh. <laughs> rubbing his tummy and going, hmm, hmm, <laughs> just extending a hand. Hello. And it's a pleasure to meet you as well. I'm, I'm Marcus. Um, Marcus, you're so shy today. Remy sticks out his hand. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. I'm glad you're going to be working Remy, with us. It is, we are, I am meeting you <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, Algar looks at Oat and says, now, um, uh, Mr. Oat, uh, is it, remind me, have you been sworn in? Um, well, of course, once a very long time ago, but uh, <laughs> my, uh, my little thinker up here is uh, not exactly what it used to be. So, uh, you know, I guess we should probably do it again. Make sure this one takes, right? Uh, and he like flips through <laughs> a piece of, he like flips through some pieces of paper on his desk. And, uh, you know, anybody who's up close to the desk, uh, like, you know, Marcus, if you're front and center, you can see that he's kind of like flipping through Oates' file. Uh, like he's got a, you know, a bunch of papers that sort of describe this person's position and their their physiology and their sapient and like all this other stuff. And uh, he says, oh yeah, he, it doesn't seem like uh, it's been, ch the box has been checked. So um, if everybody doesn't mind, uh, we have to, I have to swear in a new recruit. Oh, please do. Mr. Oat, uh, the principles are as follows. One, the cloak of lies and decretum of obscurity. Thou shalt never speak without the express approval of the director's prime to colonials or Terrans or aliens of any variety of the co, nor spindle, nor stiffworks, nor the dread miners, nor the archive, nor ordo palida, nor any colony unknown to them, nor the existence of the still fleet, nor that of any hulk, nor the deep void, nor dread and shaga, nor the cursed pazuzun, nor vile dinage, nor any secret of the co, nor the directorate, nor Basilicon, nor any banality of the co, nor any operational, nor logistic, nor strategic element whatsoever, nor, and so on, and so on, and so on, do this you swear. Okay, I guess. Two, and he, and he makes a big check motion on the piece of paper. Two, the remit of enigmas. Thou shalt ever repair unto the directorate all things large and small taken out of the void, whether from up in the iron halls of the still fleet, or from down upon the alien worlds, or from deep within the red steel cathedrals of Tefnei, that stand bottom side up beneath the terrene wastelands, without exception, so that thine employers may perform their vocation and ensure the company remains fiscally and socially solvent, and even grows and so that all manner of ancient arts may be one day understood by the archive and revived. Those who withhold the spoils of the void from the directorate shall be punished, as is our custom most severely, depending upon the nature of the thing withheld, either by the blah, 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 etc., etc. Do this, you swear. With my whole snout. And he makes a big check mark again. Three, the remit of banalities. And so too thou shalt return to thine home all full and accurate descriptions of those events witnessed in the void, in the halls of the still fleet, or on alien worlds, or terra mata, no matter how seemingly slight in import or strange in character, no secret, no drunken whisper, no cad-like declaration of amorous intent, no grocer's list, no statement of the chemical composition of alien soil, no file of names of long dead shall be withheld. Do this, you swear. I do! <clears throat> Great. He makes a check and he says, almost done. And he reaches and uh, uh, takes a big swig of water, clears his throat. <clears throat> Principle the fourth, the defense of home. And as we cloak ourselves in lies when we are away from our home, so do we cloak our home itself in darkness and errors so that none might find the arcane paths to it. And if any find these or even learn of our home, they must be disposed of by all company miners of the void, who should none of them like to lose their one true home to meddling and fractious and barbarous terrene queens, unhuman commissars, overreaching colonial governors, the elfin and most cruel.
cruel Tanish, other diverse aliens, and the great and malevolent intelligences within the hulking bodies of the Still Fleet. Do this, you swear. Yikes! And yes! Check. <laughs> and finally, the chain of authority. At last, each miner in the void shall know her rank in the company and her place in the venture. The factor shall stand above the others and ensure each rule is known to every and each made good by and every knows her duties to the co and to every other. And should this factor fall, dismembered by aliens or hanged by terrene ignoramuses, it matters not. The witness shall stand up and carry on for her. And if she too shall fall, then the dread miner whom they call Banshee shall stand. And then if she falls, the most senior still rider, and then if no leader, reporter, stiff worker, or defender be standing, shall any local miner of the void carry on until that venture be accomplished to full completeness, so that all members of the co shall take pride in the sacrifice of a few for the benefit of so many, and especially for the benefit of the Directorate, whose bold and supple strategies have allowed our home to flourish in the darkness between unthinkably impoverished past and unknowably fragile future for three centuries and more years. Do this, you, Recruit Oat, swear. I'm going to tell you, if you keep talking to me like this, you're going to make it sound like we're having fun over here. <laughs> and I, Oat looks at the group and he winks. He looks back at Algar and says, I swear. He makes a big check, gets a big grin on his face, shuffles all of the paper, <laughs> papers together and says, by gum, we've done it. Fabulous. I'm going to go file all of this paperwork immediately. Oh, this is going to be such an immensely fun time. I think that it is very safe to say that the company is going to have more work for this particular arrangement of Void Miners very, very soon. So please go take some time off. You deserve it. And I will be in touch post-haste with your next venture. And he stands up and gives you a little salute. Uh, yeah, Mercus's uh, ear flaps flap out in salute. <laughs> Sounds good to me, Doc. Many salutes. Venus is petting the moss again. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's quite relaxing. It is, it, it is. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you. Oh, spreads his wings to attention and also salutes. Um, the other thing to note is that now that you have filed paperwork... You get to level up. Ooh. Level me up. Ooh. Let's buy. Let's get Oat a drink. He's the newest member of the team. Yes, we did this together. Beta's kind of whispering through her teeth again. She doesn't have a face, but you know, I <laughs> left the light on for you all night, Oat. <laughs> yeah, listen. I'm so sorry about that. There's a bunch of errands and a lot of loose ends I had to, you know, figure out. And I didn't want anybody to know we were together so that I could apply for a job. And, you know, you know look, I'm so, so sorry to leave you hanging. But, hey, I hope you don't have standard ear holes that appreciate acoustic vibrations because I snore in a way <laughs> that is indescribable <laughs> in common tongue. So uh, we both have that to look forward to. Sounds great. <laughs> I know just the place for a drink. Yes. Yes, please lead the way. Lead the way. A celebration is in order. 
on the on the way there, um, Beta is kind of whispering to Mercus, like, I just, I couldn't help, but I don't know if you noticed, but when Algar was saying how proud um, he was of all of us, it felt like his eyes were on me most of the time. <laughs> did you, did you, do you feel that? Oh, uh, yeah, Beta. <laughs> Mercus was not paying attention. <laughs> uh, if you if you want to roll will to see if you perceived anything like that, mm. then you know I will let you. But <laughs> uh, my will is eight. Oh, I don't have um, what's it called? Open. I can roll it for you if you want. Oh, you rolled an eight. Oh no. <laughs> um, Beta's not entirely wrong. <laughs> oh, he might have been looking at you, Beta. <sighs> she blushes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, I have a, I have, I have just a clerical question inspired by some fan art of Beta that yeah. we got. Is Beta wearing clothing? You know, um, <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah. Um, we get that a lot. Thank you. Because Ashutha is a is a like a a box headed mm-hmm. human form, human form cov- covered in like metal duct tape. Yes. But but is Beta wearing clothing over that? Yes. What. What I had originally written for Beta is that she's um, wearing, so I guess, yeah, this is happening. Um, She's wearing (laughs) a recreation of, oh, what is the I'm so excited about where this is going. (laughs) Um, It's a recreation of the dress um, on uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 days the dress she's wearing on the cover it's like her, is that like that is that like that white frilly thing i think it's i think it's like a yellow dress how to lose hold on mm-hmm. good lord yeah how it's like it's gold yellow yeah 10 days mm-hmm. oh wow yeah yes, this, oh no this is not what i was expecting but i get it yes it's, it's sort of looks like it sort of looks like that but like kind of not at all um, because it's homemade from like, you know, pieces of algae, like things that she found around. Um, I would say, yeah, I don't know if she wears it on the mission, but she was definitely wearing it in the office when she goes into the office. So it's like gold, gold, skinny, silky, long mm-hmm. strap, straps, straps, yeah. straps. And it doesn't really fit her well. Not at all. She doesn't really have, have the body for it. But, um, <laughs> you know, she... She's trying to be sure. a protagonist in a rom-com. What can we say? It. Right. I mean, it was really, it was going to be like slinky gold dress or like bright red, like leading lady dress, right? Yeah. Like are those, I feel like those are the two yeah, dresses exactly. that you're allowed to wear in those movies. In those rom in those rom-coms. Yeah. She's wearing that. I don't know how it really, yeah, fits, fits on her little robot body, but. <laughs> it does. Uh, we'll let the people who can render things visually f- right. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Oat leads you through the tunnels and like the hacked out uh, hallways. The floor becomes uneven and then even again and then more uneven. And then you come to a medium sized notch of a room blob cut into the middle of the back wall of the canteen, right? It's nestled between a tailor and what looks like a 
tinker? Anyway, it's got like a handwritten sign advertising scissor sharpening, metal bending, plate armor smoothing, and, and stuff like that. But the blob, right, the one that's nestled in between there is rectangular. One short side is its entrance and you go inside. And it's a hallway of a bar with the bar on the left side and a long blue gray plasticky sort of substance bar running right down the middle. There's long bench-like seats attached to the floor and made of the same material running down its length with small gaps to enter and slide in. Snug as a bug in a very large spinning space station. There's maybe, <laughs> there's like total room in here, eight patrons, if they're all human sized and occasionally, often, many of them are not. Uh, and Oat says, ha, he greets the bartender. It's, Mike, it's Stephen Patrick, right? It is Steve, uh, yes, this is Stephen Patrick Morris. Yeah, yeah, he goes, please everyone meet my oldest and as far as I can tell in the last few hours that I've had back on spin, only surviving friend, Stephen Patrick Morrissey. Say hello, Stephen Patrick Morrissey. <clears throat> Oat, stop <laughs> shouting in my bar. Stephen Patrick Morrissey is, a, an, is an impressive presence behind the bar. Uh, the wall that is cluttered with mostly empty bottles, a showcase of liquors past and future and various knickknacks brought to him throughout the years. There's helmets, old photos, paper posters, little baubles, a few weird esoteric or dead weapons. Um, he's serving kelp lager, black kelp lager, and a house specialty called drunk. He <laughs> will not tell you what is in it, but it's cheap, it's delicious, it's intoxicating, and Oat recommends it immediately. Now, I will also say that Stephen Patrick Morrissey, one of the reasons he's so big is because he is a mongrel. Mike, do you want to tell us what mongrels are? Yeah, he's basically like an eight, eight foot tall, just massive, like sort of human shape. Very, very strong, very wide, very broad, but he's got a tiny little bear face uh, right in the middle of his huge head. Um, <laughs> And it's it's bright. The skin is bright white, and he's got uh, like big, uh, sort of like bushy brown hair all around uh, the the rest of his head. And uh, his uh, you can tell he's older. He's kind of his eyes are kind of wrinkled. His face is kind of leathery, and his eyes are a little sunken. And he just always has this sort of permanent frown on his face. He just looks very kind of tired or over it. And this is like a pretty common thing for mongrels. Um, um, there, I mean, there's a lot of questions about what they are, uh, but the current understanding or guess is that they were sent from the future uh, to <laughs> st to stop humanity from killing itself. Good luck. <laughs> um, uh, and so, uh, given this impossible task, I think they're you know the idea is that they're all um, they're all just kind of fatalists. This guy runs a bar on spin called Zona. Uh, he is um, wearing a, a jean vest uh, with a bunch of uh, sigils on it, a bunch of like religious symbols um, or like old glyphs uh, that to us in 2020, you would immediately recognize these as uh, the logos of bands from the 70s and 80s. Whoa. Wow. I love the, the way of keeping humanity from destroying itself is to open a bar. 
<laughs> I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would talk your ear off uh, at length if you were to ask about that about that plan. Um, but uh, yeah, as as Oat is sort of ushering you all in and uh, you know gesturing at the bar and telling you to sit down, um, uh, Morrissey looks at looks at Oat and he says, "To what do I owe the pleasure?" Uh, I'm a member of the Co now, my friend. Once once and future king, Oat at your service. Should I congratulate you for this? Yes. Stephen Patrick Morris, yeah. Are you sure? I, he looks at the group. You know what? (laughs) You go with your gut on this, my friend. Uh, He silently starts pouring out a bunch of uh, dark kelp lagers, and he looks down down the table and he says, Anybody want any drunk? Yes. Five drunks, please. (laughs) Okay. Oh, you're buying, Uh, right? I am buying. Listen to this. This place, I love it. The drunk is fantastic. Uh, you know, like so many, there's just so much dynamism around here. But this place, Sona, has not changed one bit since I left. Look, look at, look at that. Look at that behind the bar. And Oat is pointing at like a shelf full of knickknacks. And sure enough, uh, you notice that amongst like some weird thimbles and a knife that seems to uh, uh, be both sharp and dull at the same time, uh, there is there's like a little like very still fleet. Yeah, thank you. I threw that in there because you know I'm <laughs> obligated to like have something that is two things that is the uh, opposite of itself. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and there's also like a little galaxy suspended in a pocket universe on a keychain, and there's um, and there's like a little. Like, I guess the only way to describe it is a Polaroid. And it's a Polaroid of a group of people. And they're all in tuxedos uh, and like form what appears to be different cultures, formal wear probably. And they're all holding up like clear glasses, cheersing to the camera. And the figure down in the very front is a 60 year younger oat. Wow. Uh, and uh, Stephen Patrick Morrissey is also in the picture, and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> Vinos um, smiles at that picture, but he doesn't tell anybody why he's smiling at it. <laughs> <laughs> Vinos thinks quietly to himself, good one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pair of bunny ears that somebody's putting on, on somebody else in that picture that he knows something about. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> Uh, Mercus is very slowly spelling Zona in the stylophone. <laughs> uh, so uh, Morrissey um, pours you out five dark kelp loggers and distributes them to the crew. Um, he then reaches into a refrigerator um, underneath the set of shelves that all the knickknacks are on. And amongst all of the knickknacks are all of these empty liquor bottles from just various fallen civilizations. They're all covered in dust. Some of the um, labels are half ripped off, uh, but it's like you know when someone's out in the world, uh, when someone's out in the universe collecting things and they find an empty uh, liquor bottle, it seems like um, Zona and Morrissey is the, the place and person that they bring them to. So this is like part of his collection. And he reaches into this um, reaches into this refrigerator and pulls out um, a, a Carlo Rossi jug and uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sure. Uh and uh, puts out four, uh, puts out five mismatched tiny shot glasses. And it's like, you know, we would recognize these as like, one of them's a shot glass, one of them's a candle holder, one of them is a sake glass, uh, one of them is a very, is a particularly small teacup. Uh, and he just puts them all out and he very carefully with his giant hands pours out little droplets of this kind of like blue 
slurry almost. It's kind of like oatmeal or gruel, um, but it's bright, bright blue, and you can smell the liquor, as, or you can smell some chemical as soon as he's pouring it into um, uh, into these containers. And he looks it out and he says, At the risk of having you be a good customer for a second lifetime, it's on the house. Oh, Stephen Patrick <laughs> Morrissey! You have not changed at all. He turns around and he puts everything back, back, and he just kind of stands there. <laughs> Beta uh, grabs for the candlestick um, ho- holder one and, sure. and says, ooh, a drink and a snack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Remy grabs the sake glass because he sort of recognizes it uh, and he holds it up. Cheers, everybody. Uh, Venus, Venus grabs a glass and follows suit. Uh, Mercus grabs a, a drunk with both hands and lifts it above his head because he's short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you all do you all take a do a shot of drunk? Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's it tastes kind of like grain alcohol mixed with wasabi. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> it it. it if any of you had any sinus problems before this moment, um, once you regain your sight, it they're <laughs> gone. Um, it's very, very strong. You all immediately feel slightly intoxicated. Um, if you have it, um, and this is the only way that you can avoid uh, not burning it, um, is not having it. But if you have two grit, you must burn it. And you all, if you concentrate, um, and uh, we would do this uh, with a, um, a will roll, um, if you concentrate, you all feel like you can hear each other talking without moving your mouths. <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Uh, so if you if you Mad want to man. if you want to if you want to lean into it yeah you can roll your will and if you get a six or higher um, you can drunkenly telepathically communicate. Yeah, <laughs> Mercus got an eight. I, yeah, Beta also got an eight. <laughs> Wait, yeah, so you guys, on. you guys can hear the. Uh, there's no more oh. secrets. You can't lie to each other. <laughs> oh, Remy doesn't have enough will. So. <laughs> oh no, I roll the one. Oat cannot. Yeah, uh. Remy has. A D4 for Will and roll the one anyway. Vino's got a four. Yes, so Beta, Beta, and Mercus, uh, yeah, you feel like you just feel very connected to your friends. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, th- if if there's a thing that you would like to know about what they are thinking, um, you would essentially know. And the way that we would play this is you have to just ask that character. You have to ask that player what their character is thinking, and they have to be truthful. Okay, um, Shannon. You yeah. can, or you can just, yeah. So just to set the scene, <laughs> like, you're just, you're at the bar. Uh, you are now all just at the bar having your drinks, and you have um, five five dark kelp lager um, chasers in front of you. Uh, Mercus has overturned the shot glass onto his head like a little fez. (laughs) And it's just like waving his tiny short arms and wondering out loud to Beta, have you planned your wedding to Algar? And and she would be thinking, which wedding? You know, is it there... We're going to be living millennia, millennia together. There's going to be so many weddings and rewed. The first wedding? Sure. That, that I planned a while ago. Tell me But like the 10th anniversary wedding when you reassert your vows, right. like that one's still in the works. Exactly. Is this conversation happening telepathically? Yeah. 
Oh, great. Uh, I, I look at Remy and Venus. I say, uh, so every once in a while, drunk lets you hear the thoughts of like, whoever's drinking drunk with you. Um, we did not win, but it looks like those two are having a conversation. <laughs> oh, so that's what's happening. Oh, yeah. you are a very useful. What are you again? Uh, Harajun. 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 Pretty Sorry, common, my... well-known race around yeah, here. No, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, You're yeah, a sleeper, yeah. right? Yeah, my, my brain is, isn't is good. Uh, don't worry about it. All is forgiven. <laughs> Water under the bridge, you get a pass, Remy, my friend. I appreciate you. So how how do you make drunk? What is, why is it, What what's the deal and why how is it made? Why does it sound like an old word that I used to know? Oh, that is a trade secret. Okay. Wait, does it, uh, Patrick Steven? Yeah, what? what? Does it come from the future? <laughs> what? what did I say? <laughs> it, it, I think it comes from the future. Sick. Uh, he gets so mad when I ask that, so I think it's I'm striking a chord with him. You know, you know, in a way, because I come from the future. Yes, it also comes from the future. Yeah, he he's not very good at keeping secrets. If you ask him twice, <laughs> he just sort of ditches. <laughs> will you know, not I've... drink drunk. Will not drink drunk though. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna realize. get in there one day. It's like putting a mirror across from another mirror. <laughs> well, that seems wise to me. I'm <laughs> curious to know how you two met. Oh, oh, that was so long ago. I almost don't remember. <laughs> a long oh, wait, time let me ago. ask that, again. That. I almost <laughs> curious about how you two met. Uh, you don't remember because of how drunk you were. Oh, yeah, that scans. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> Several decades ago, Oat was my best customer, and then one day he kind of just stopped showing up. I could think I was more than a customer, but look, that's that's <laughs> that's not the lead here. That's not the big story. The big story is how did we meet today? <laughs> I, I don't I don't mean that literally. I, I just mean like we're we meeting now. I'm on the team. I'm part of your squad. What's what do we do next? Do I, are you gonna let me help you? Aren't you, we, we gotta find Vashashtana or whatever that thing is. You've got a secret <laughs> mission, let's do it. Why are this you so excited about this? <laughs> because earlier today I thought I was gonna die without food and water in a weird prison I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still kind of running, I'm still kind of riding the high of being rescued and having my life saved, which is weird. I aged 60 years, I found out that a lot of my friends and family died in a plague while I was in the prison, and I'm handling it great, so don't, don't worry about me. I'm doing fine. Oh, it sounds like you're just putting off these feelings and processing them. But you know what? That's what I like about you. You have no regard for the future. Oh, and like Beta's having a little hard time with the with the. She's not really. Use your words. Move she, your mouth. No, you not, don't have a mouth, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's not really rude. Oat, rude. <laughs> she's not really understanding who she can like mind yeah, speak with yeah. and who she can't. Oh, have you? Um, there you go. Oh, I can hear you now. Have you been a stealth leader before? Very briefly. You know, it used to be that every time a squad went out through, you know, the stiff works or whatever, they always took a hair June. We were, we were considered good luck. I look around. I see that that tradition has maybe changed in the last few decades. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I was I an official uh, member of the Honorable Code? Nah, you know, I mean, like this. Well, I don't want to not put names on it. <laughs> but no, I've been on jobs. I mean, yeah, I was at a lot of jobs. A lot of freelance stuff. I work with groups. Yeah, I think that answers your question. Does anyone else have a question on a different subject? 
<laughs> I think uh, most of you would be familiar and not to like, I might cut this part out, uh, but like most of you would be familiar with the fact that on spin, there is a, a population of people who are not supposed to be there, but are basically hiding in plain sight. Right. Mergus doesn't really drink. <laughs> And is basically a child. So, <laughs> <laughs> Merc, is he doing all right? Marcus you look a little, you look a little I, wobbly over there, bud. So usually his whole body is mucusy to keep him cold, like cool. But because of the wasabi effect of the drunk, he's like sort of whole body sneezed, like just sort of flared up, all, like pores are flared up and he just feels like his whole body's on fire so he's just like fanning himself and like his his little lizard tongue is like long and just kind of sticking out like a thirsty dog like hey uh, what, what, what did I drink <laughs> Morrissey sees this happen and he goes oh we have something for this <laughs> and uh, he reaches he reaches into a, another cabinet and um, he pulls out what looks like a, a large toothpaste container um, and hands it to you without explaining anything. And uh, yeah, Mercus just starts uh, with both hands squeezing it over his head, which still has the shot glass. So it's just like whatever uh, it is. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of clear goop comes out and it uh, it feels very cooling. <laughs> it is a unfortunate stereotype, but Jelasti can't hold their liquor. What are you talking Marcy. about? <laughs> I don't know Mer- what you're talking about. Marcus, you're doing great. Don't worry. You're doing, you're doing great, fine. You're doing great. You're doing you're great. You're safe here with us. Your team. Beta, when you marry Algar, can I help? Can I carry the rings? Oh, well, that's not really in the diagram right now. It's a, you know, it's not really in the plan. But, you know, maybe. And yeah, sure, sure. Beta's lying. <laughs> <laughs> Beta kind of leans over the bar to Morrissey and is like, I normally ask people what the oldest thing they remember is, but maybe you could tell me the newest thing you remember? (laughs) It would be the moment I was sent back from my time to search for demons in your time. And did you find any, bud? Oh, boy. Uh, He looks at you very, with like very narrow eyes and he says, maybe. (laughs) Sick. I want to hear all about it. What do they look like? No, you don't. (laughs) Okay. Let me tell you about the demons. Oh, boy. They are all around us. Anyone and everything could be a demon. You must be very, very careful. But, but like, how do you No, don't. God, he reached a natural stopping point. Don't egg him on. We'll be here for six I cycles. I just want to know. Look, I want to know things. There is a short 36-part process in uh. identifying <laughs> the demon, unless you are a mongrel, in which case it comes very naturally. Uh, Marcy, I, you know what? I think I still got some of that literature you gave me about seven he, uh, years ago. He pulls down a chart that's yeah. on, yeah, that's I on got this. I've got a smaller version of this. I'll just give it to these folks. There's a, there's a bunch of boxes connected by lines. <laughs> with yeah. that, Mercus falls backwards with his eyes rolling back into his head. Oh, uh, no, I want to catch Marcus. 
Can I do a movement <laughs> check to catch Mercus? Yes, let's all let's catch Mercus. Yeah, Mercus. you can all catch. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you can all successfully catch Mercus. Uh, uh, Stephen Patrick Morrissey collects all of your empty glasses and says, "I think you've had enough." <laughs> oh, calamaris! <laughs> Thank you, Morrissey. We'll take this little one to bed. Oat. Whenever you need something to do with your time, you are more than welcome to tend bar at Zona. <gasps> I could use the break. So the answer is yes, you can give me a job. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you can't tell because they're so uh, high up. Uh, but if you were like a foot and a half taller, you'd be able to see Morrissey slightly roll his eyes and go. Yes. Oh, Morrissey, thank you so much. You have no idea. This is such a huge help for me. I got a place to live. He winks at Combot. I got a job. <laughs> he winks at Morrissey. I got a better job I'm more excited about. He winks at the <laughs> gang. Uh, and nobody's... No, everybody who remembers all the trouble I was in is dead. <laughs> Everything's coming up. Oh. Got a new lease on life, my friend. You know, they used to call that born again. Huh. I like the sound of that. Born again. That's me. Born again, oat. Oat born twice. Twice born oat. So uh, look, uh, I'm just going to cut straight with you. Since I know that you're kind of doing a secret mission here in the co and I'm still in, uh, I'm spinning everything. I also used to get up to a little, uh, let's say, uh, darker market than is strictly permissible in the, the polite societies of spin and other uh, locations if you understand what i'm saying quite clearly yes <laughs> so uh you know if you were to need help i don't want to say stealing anything but i was known as quite the jackal in my day nimble fingers can be quite 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 the gift to a team such as ours. that's exactly what i was hoping to hear so, as you know, just because I'm an assistant, I am here at your discretion and pleasure. Do you need me? Come on by. I'll be right here, you know, wiping uh, glasses down and... Um, <laughs> sorry not to sound uh, ungrateful, Morrissey, but uh, please come get me. Please get me out of here. I want to go on adventures <laughs> and make a lot of money with you. <laughs> oh, believe us. We will be in touch. And Beta hands out the key that she made for him and um, also says and you're gonna need to check the chore chart when you get home <laughs> and believe me the chores are not what you think they're gonna be I don't care if things are clean give me one example <laughs> of a chore you gotta um, rearrange my diorama <laughs> okay I feel like it's almost like in the dioramas it's almost like I'm experiencing it if I act it out sometimes we'll have to act out scenes this is gonna be great you're, you're gonna be a great roommate I can tell mm -hmm. don't touch my papers <laughs> <laughs>
you are now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, get access to bonus one-off episodes, our bi-weekly post-episode chat show, Fun Chatty, and our Discord. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash funcityventures. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. We'd also love it if you told your pals about the show, shared it on social media, drew us some fan art, gave us a rating on iTunes, or just came by to say hey on Twitter. Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes. B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus and Meldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Showdown. Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at Taylor.biz. <laughs> My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Stillfleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Stillfleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. Like the birds in their nest are ready for pixel riffs and sport no more seen on the darkening green. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall, who has just released a treasure trove of old work from his project Arp Line that I highly recommend. Find it on streaming services and at the link in the show notes. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. <laughs>